Read the Bible together, shall we? Uh, shall we read a few uh, verses of Scripture, um, an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading? Uh, so our first reading is from Isaiah chapter fifty-five. We'll read the first nine verses, uh, and then we'll have a gospel reading. But first of all, we read Isaiah, or Isaiah, if you live in America. And I did live in America for a while, so I still say Isaiah, but I'll do my best to try and remember to say Isaiah. But either way, um, Isaiah chapter 55, and it's the first nine verses. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we read too from the New Testament, just a very short gospel reading. Uh, One I think picks up similar themes, or at least uh, I hope you think so too. Uh, This is uh, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, just the last two verses of Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 uh, through verse 30. Uh, These are the words of Jesus uh, and are well known to many of us. Come to me, says Jesus. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we pray the blessing of God on these, the readings from God's word. Well, the people of the cities of Judah and of Jerusalem were suffering. We read a bit about it uh, throughout the Bible. 
and from particular parts of the biblical witness. The people of the cities of Judah and of Jerusalem were suffering at a particular time in their history. The cities had been invaded and occupied. Their temple had been destroyed. And many of the people were in exile in Babylon. They were suffering. Exiles from home, living in difficult circumstances, wishing that they were somewhere else, longing for other circumstances that once they had enjoyed. The people of Judah were suffering. And yet the word of the Lord came to them through the prophet Isaiah, as indeed through other prophets. And the words that we read in Isaiah 55... Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come and buy, you that have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. To suffering people comes a word of hope, comes a word of restoration, comes a word calling for action on their part. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but suffering might have very different, a very different impact on different kinds of people. Have you, you noticed this? Suffering, whether great suffering or trivial suffering, affects people in different ways. There are always those, of course, who in times of suffering have no place for the Word of God. You know that, don't you? Think about your own life or people you speak with who tell you about their beliefs in God or otherwise. Those many people who will say, well, I I no longer believe in God. I, I don't believe in God anymore. And if you ask them about it, why is it that you don't believe in God? What, what is the answer that most people who've turned away from their faith might, might tell you? I don't believe in God anymore because of the way in which my grandmother suffered. Or the way in which such and such a person suffered and I had to care for them. Or because of my own suffering. This happened to me and I can't believe anymore. You come across that? Being tempted by that yourself perhaps from time to time. Suffering affects people in different ways and suffering might be uh, the greatest cause of the turning away of people from God. And yet, suffering can have entirely the opposite. Entirely the opposite impact on on other people. You've talked to people, haven't you, who say, well, I was living my life in a carefree kind of way. Everything was fine. And then this happened to me. I faced terrible circumstances and suddenly I became aware of the word of God to me in my circumstances. Perhaps it's happened to you too. In times of ease and prosperity, things were fine, but you never thought about God. In fact, the Bible tells us that this might happen. You recall in Deuteronomy, there's a big warning to the people of Israel. A a, a lot earlier on than the passage that we read, uh, the, the word comes to them. When you get into the promised land and you enjoy its goodness and everything starts going well for you, you'll be rich and you'll be fat and you'll forget all about God. It is that way sometimes, isn't it? Thomas Carlyle, I think, said that suffering is hard on a person. But for every person that can withstand suffering, 
Let me put it the other way. Uh, he didn't say it quite like that. Uh, but for every person that can withstand adversity, excuse me, prosperity, for everyone that can withstand prosperity, there are a thousand who will stand adversity. Isn't this right? That sometimes, actually, it's more... It's suffering that brings us to God and prosperity that takes us from God. It shouldn't be like that, should it? You would imagine that if everything's going well, every day in your life you might say thank you to God. You might imagine that would be the case. And yet so often when things are going well, we forget all about God. We imagine that we earned it all for ourselves. You hear that quite a lot, don't you? I, en- I enjoy whatever wealth I have uh, and I spend it uh, and I-, I enjoy it to the full because I know I deserved it. You know, people sometimes tell you that kind of thing. We imagine that we got what we've got because we were good enough or because of the plans that we made or the things that we did. We forget that we got a helping hand along the way. We forget that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the grace of God. We forget that we're given life every day. And we forget to give thanks. Suffering and prosperity have a way of affecting us in different ways. The people of Judah were suffering and the word of the Lord came to them. They were suffering in part because of their own doing. But that can't have been true for everybody. And this might have been generations later. Uh, Isaiah and other prophets say that they're suffering because of their sins. That the nation itself is suffering because of the choices that it made. And yet surely there must have been those who were not for the choices that the nation made. Don't answer, but uh, we had a choice for our nation uh, just a few months ago. Uh, And we can say that our nation decided a certain something. Our our nation decided on Brexit. But you may or may not personally have decided that. And you may or may not have been a Brexiteer. Or maybe a Remainer. And maybe in time to come, I don't know, in time to come, depending on the narrative, I don't know how it will go, but maybe in ten years' time we'll say, good job we got out of that lot. And you might be able to say, and I voted for it. Or on the other hand, it might go down the tubes and you might say, terrible, I wish we'd have stayed in Europe. And you know, I voted to stay in too. And look what everybody else has done for me. Yeah, even in a democracy, of course, some people decide, and in a majority that decides, well, some decide one thing and others have to put up with it. And if a nation was being punished for its sins, there must have been plenty of people there who had remained faithful to God. But they were suffering, and the word of the Lord came to them. I wonder about us, suffering or prosperous, at ease or in difficulty. And is our heart and mind open to the word of the Lord? The story is told of St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, He and one of his brothers, Maceo, uh, were traveling from town to town. And as was their practice, uh, they would beg for their daily bread. This is what Francis did. You know his story well, don't you? Um, He'd beg for his daily bread. And so uh, they had this arrangement. 
Francis would take one street and Maceo would take the other. Now, Francis, Peter will be pleased to know, uh, and me too for that matter, was, was short of stature. <laughs> we had this conversation earlier on. But Peter greeted me, he wondered if, if he or I, or both of us, were any shorter than last time we met each other. Because they say you shrink through the course of time, don't they? Yeah, they do, they say that, yeah. You get a bit shorter. I, uh, I don't need to get any shorter, but it's probably still happening. Uh, so so I, I did encourage him with, with the fact that St. Francis of Assisi was a short person, short of stature. And by the way, he looked like your common our garden beggar. So when he begged up the, you know, one side of the street or one street, uh, he got slim pickings, it has to be said. He begged one side of the street. But Maceo was a tall and handsome man. And uh, perhaps that influenced the giving of others. So Francis got scraps while Maceo landed a whole loaf of freshly baked bread. And the two of them met after their begging exercise at a fountain outside of the town. And they came and shared uh, what they had begged for their living. They shared the alms that had been given to them. And Maceo noted what was lacking Meat. There's no meat in there. In you know, they hadn't received any meat. He noticed there was no veg, no vegetables, and they didn't even have a knife to cut the bread. So he noticed what was lacking. But Francis, on the other hand, well, he broke and shared the bread, and exclaimed joyfully, "We are not worthy of this vast treasure, bread." A table of stone, clear water, and a God to serve us. I don't know why it is, but some people see the glass half empty and some see it half full. Why is it that in suffering, some of us instinctively turn to God and some of us just as instinctively turn from God? Well, to the people of Judah who were suffering came the word of the Lord to return to the Lord. This was the word, in effect, return to the Lord. Come back to the God who had blessed you and who has chastised you and by whose hand this suffering has come upon you. But turn to the Lord and receive anew from his hand bread and blessing. Come, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. We hear a lot today, don't we, about our country, that we live in a meritocracy. This is the idea that those who deserve it might rise to the, to the top. And in a way, that's okay. You'd rather elect people who deserve it than people who don't. You'd rather be ruled, if you like, or led by people who deserve uh, your following than people who don't. But sometimes it can have the idea that, well... We separate, we kind of divide in our world and in our country between those who deserve and those who don't. And if we're not careful, we start to apply it to all kinds of places. We speak, amazing this, but we speak without even thinking about it, about the deserving poor. This is the idea that there are poor people who are poor because they don't deserve it. And there are other poor people who are poor because they deserve it. And we, but we want to work, you know, by this, this uh, kind of way of thinking, uh, for poor people who deserve help. 
and we think perhaps of other poor people who don't deserve the help. It strikes me that this is a, a strange and weird way of thinking. And the word that comes from God comes like this. You who have no money, come buy and eat. This is in complete contradistinction to the way that most good things are offered in our own society. The word comes to us. How do you qualify to receive from God, according to Isaiah? Well, by being poor and weak and without. You qualify by suffering. You qualify by being away from God. Oh, everyone who thirsts. Well, you qualify by thirsting. It might just be, of course, that even those of us who are without, for some reason or another, resist thirst. Now, I know it doesn't work like that in the natural world. If you haven't had a drink for a while, you're just thirsty. But you know, you can be away from the blessing of God for a long time before some of us ever notice it. And even when we become slightly aware of our need for God, we might resist the thirst that would drive us back to God. And here comes a word, if you're thirsty enough, you might turn back to God. Well, there is a godlessness perhaps in our nation, a godlessness in the nation of Judah in exile, and perhaps a godlessness in our own souls, such that we fill our lives, our being and our doing with things, but not with the things that really make a difference. Our dreams are made up of what we might earn or get, but not enough about the presence of God about goodness and peace, about compassion and love for each other. Listen carefully to me, says the word, and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. The words of Jesus are not dissimilar, are they? Do you remember them? Come to me, all who are weak or all who are weary. This is not those who are just weak because they were always weak. This might be those those who have been beaten and battered by life. Those who have become wearied by all that you face day by day. Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened down and I will give you rest. Come to me, says the Lord Jesus. I wonder what this coming to him might mean for us today. It might mean turning up at a place like this once a week. And I know people don't think that's important anymore. And, uh, you know, it's not particularly valued in our wider culture and not always valued even in Christian circles. But I want to say something in favour of gathering to worship Sunday by Sunday. Whether or not you get a great deal out of it. Whether or not there are any fantastic, wonderful, exciting things to rehearse. I want to say something in favour of coming to Christ out of our weariness, Sunday by Sunday, even though it might cost us and we might not think we get a great deal out of it. Come to me, says Jesus, and just because he says it, we might do it. You know, you do need people alongside you who challenge you, you know that, don't you? You don't, you do need to live in circumstances that are not always exciting and wonderful and great. You do know that, don't you? This is one of the reasons God puts us together with other people. 
It's one of the reasons why God calls us to be a community of his followers and doesn't just leave it uh, to people who, who, who can, you know, pick and choose. You know when you don't join a church, there'll be somebody you don't like. You do know that, don't you? And if you're really lucky, there'll be somebody who doesn't like you too. And you do know that when you join a church, not everything will go well, don't you? And you do know that it'll fail you in all kinds of ways. This is the plan of God. You know that, don't you? This is the purpose of God, so that when we join together, we might learn what it is to grow into disciples of Jesus. So that together we might think, now what does it mean for us together to be followers of Jesus at a time like this? Because the word that came from Isaiah came not only to individuals, but to a whole people. These words are all in the plural. Plural imperatives, so many of them in Isaiah 55. And the words too that come from Jesus, not just to individuals, but to a whole group, come to me. Any of you that identify and say, yes, I'm weary enough, I'm burdened down enough to seek help from God or from Jesus Christ. You might have a little exercise later on in the day. Uh, if you mark your Bible, I don't know, do we have people who mark their Bibles? Uh, this is a new Bible in front of me and I haven't marked it yet. But I might do it later. Uh, Isaiah 55, you, you could just do 1 to 9 or you could go further if you want. If you just take out a little pencil or something and circle all the imperatives, all, the, all those commands, those, those uh, short, sharp uh, words that call the people to action. Just if you just circle a few. Uh, so, ho, everyone who thirsts, well, the first one, come to the waters. You that have no money, come, buy, eat. So we've got three, and one of them's been repeated twice. Come, and then again, come, buy wine and milk. So you get the message, don't you? Come and buy and eat and drink. And then it keeps on going. We've got a few rhetorical questions. Why do you spend your money for what does not satisfy? Great question for our society today. Why do you spend your money for what does not satisfy? And then we got some more imperatives. Imperatives. No, imperatives. We get a few of those. Incline your ear and come to me. And then another one. Listen. So that you may listen. Now there's a good one. Good one for people like me who are always talking. Stop talking and listen. Listen. And then verse 6. Seek. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. Well, the call is a very simple one, whether suffering or whether we're uh, in prosperity, whatever our lives might be like. Might this be a day for us to return to the Lord? Oh, you might say, return to the Lord. I've, I've really never thought much about God in my life, not much returning. Return does seem to suggest that once you knew God and now you've fallen away. Return. But you yourself might never have had much of a thought for God. But perhaps your parents did or your grandparents, or the community out of which you come. It must have been like that for many of the people in, in, uh, in Babylon who thought, well, I didn't ever think much about God. But now the word comes to me from Isaiah, return, return. 
And even if you and your family and friends know one that you ever really knew, thought much about God, there's some sense about returning that goes something like this. God made you. You might not know it. You might never have believed it. But God made you. God fashioned you. God, God so loves you that every day he gives you breath. And there is a kind of a, there's something in the heart of every human being that wants to return to the Lord who gave them life. Return to the Lord. In the synagogue over these last uh, few days and couple of weeks, uh, this has been the high holidays. Uh, So this has been the time for uh, the new year. Uh, and then also the Day of Atonement. Interesting in Judaism because uh, all of the all of the festivals in Judaism are actually commanded somewhere in the Bible. You know, it does actually say you should have a Day of Atonement and you know have have the New Year. It's not a New Year in in the Bible, but it is a the first the first day of the seventh month. Um, not the same month as our as our calendar months. Uh, but you should gather and fast and blow the trumpet. Um, so, you know, they're commanded. All our Christian festivals, we made up after the Bible, and they have something to do with the Bible. They usually celebrate things that are in the Bible, but, you know, we made them up. Uh, and yet, we abandon the ones that you're actually told to do in the Bible, and we, and we hold fast to those that we made up ourselves. It's just, it's one of the comparisons between Judaism and Christianity. But anyway, uh, but in the synagogue, uh, the last two weeks, they'll, they'll have been hearing these words so often that they're now sick of it. Return to the Lord. On Yom Kippur, in, in, in many synagogues, you'd have started at eight in the morning and you might still be there at two in the afternoon. And then when you go home, you're going to come back again for the evening service too, which might be another two or three hours. And you're going to say the same words over and over again, which are, we are sorry. (laughs) We're sorry for our sins. We're sorry again and again and again. We're returning to you, our God and our Lord. And of course, there will be those who sit there in the synagogue and say these words, but don't mean them. And there will be others who with all their hearts are returning to God. So a few words from uh, from that liturgy uh, turned into a song by Shlomo Kalbach. Return again, return again, return to the land of your soul. It's not talking about a physical land. This is the space that you inhabit in your everyday living. Return again to the land of your soul. Return to who you are. Return to what you are. Return to where you are born and reborn again. Return again. Return again. Return to the land of your soul. I wonder, have you been living soulfully or godlessly? Coming to Jesus day by day. Coming to God by prayer. By re- we, we had this in the children's song earlier on. Uh, we'll read the Bible. We'll pray. We'll, we'll take on habits by which we might seek the Lord. Or will we? Or will we? The question is not whether God will receive us. The question is not whether Jesus will receive us. The question only is, will we come? The question is not, do we deserve it? Because we don't. The question is not, have we done enough? Are we worthy enough? Because we never are. For in Jesus Christ, God came to this earth and associated with all our suffering and pain. Particularly when Jesus Christ hung and died there on that shameful cross. 
entered into our pain and absorbed it. Suffered for our sins, our foolishness, and bore our sorrows. The question is not whether God loves us enough. You know what the Bible says, don't you? We love. Why do we love? We love because what? He first loved us. Great good news this morning. Whether you are suffering or whether you are in ease and prosperity, God loves you and sent his son for you. The only question is this. Will you return to the Lord and keep on returning? Will you seek after the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind? And in turning to him, will you find bread to eat? Spiritual bread. Will you find soulful living and follow in the ways of God? This is the call that comes to me. Sometimes I ignore it. This morning, I would like to respond to it. Wouldn't you?